You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Sons of Anarchy After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Sons of Anarchy After Show. Nice. Yeah. Bing. Bing is for doing... And we're here doing the Sons of Anarchy After Show, Season 5, Episode 6, Small World. But this is a very special episode because sitting with us are two actors from the show, Chris Reed and Mo McCray, but along with my old lady. I was like, come on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm excited. I mean, they're they're important, but the old lady always goes first. No, you're right, the old lady's important. No, 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 wait, no, 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 the guys in the club, the maid guys would go before the old lady. You're right. Okay, so. Let's see. Who are you? I'm Chris Lee Kennedy. Chris Lee. There we go. <laughs> <Chris> Lee <laughs> Sometimes Kennedy. I forget. There it is. I can't help. And uh, and so we're here with with none other than Chris Reed Momacray, uh, aka Filthy Phil, and the new leader of the Niners. So very very excited. Tyler, the character named Tyler, we learned tonight. Yes. Very very cool. So but. We're just gonna kind of pick your brains, so and then we'll break down the episode if that's okay with you guys. Absolutely, and I'd like to thank you for being like the the eighth person in a row to announce me as being special. I mean, you are, you are very special. Oh, yes. And by the way, so can I first say what I've been saying for weeks about what I love about your character? Now, uh, Chris has been around biker gangs. I one summer I was around a, a bunch of Hell's Angels for a summer working for them, like indirectly for one of their businesses. So I was able to observe a lot of what went on. And there were many, many filthy fills. Yeah. That were like, um, look like the big teddy bear type, almost a little bit nerdy, but yet, yet, and wanted to really prove themselves. Like they were outcasts, misfits, and they were really working hard as prospects and, of course, become made. So I. I just totally bought it. I bought into you from the beginning. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, when I first came on, you get a little bit of the fan feedback. And uh, there was a small segment of folks that were like, this guy's not a biker. He doesn't belong. And to me, that was always a great indication of someone who wasn't informed at all mm-hmm. in the, the life of a motorcycle club. Um, I've done my own research and visited with guys. And it's amazing how many of these guys are, you know, just slightly geeky in some ways. Yeah. And uh, just start, you know, you see a, a normal cross section that uh, you would see in society. Just they happen to be in motorcycle clubs, right? And I think that, that feeling of not belonging. Yeah, they're, they're not in the ninety-nine percent exactly, and they find something that they're going to hold on to, and people that are going to accept them, and let them do it, you know, be themselves, and, and they become the best soldiers because they'll do anything. Absolutely, Loyalty and it probably helps there. too because you're unassuming. Nobody expects you to right. Right. That's right. 
And he's, you know, and and you physically you're big, so it's like you know you you can grow to someone who handles himself. And you know, you you like why wouldn't Bobby Elvis have been like Filthy Phil at one time? He's into yeah. Elvis. I mean, I totally see Bobby Elvis having started to be like Filthy Phil when he began his journey. That, yeah, I see the exact. I agree completely. And you know, even if it's somebody who you know can't step up, you can always hide behind him, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. And then you know, I mean, with the size and the beard and just you know the intimidation. And by the way. Like, you know, for me, Opie, even Opie's journey from season one to, to the end, he was buff. He just he just had that scowl. But at the beginning, he felt like Wasn't a mid like he felt like the midpoint between Filthy Phil and Bobby Elvis. Where, yeah. where that's where Opie started season one, but I think Opie probably was a little geeky. You didn't really see Opie come into his own until his wife was killed either. Like he right. really didn't have that much of a stance until Donna was killed. Yeah, he was kind of doing the the half in half out mm-hmm. thing, and you know he had the job working construction, and you saw him you know outside, and he didn't look as hard, and you know, he was a little softer, and uh, you know we saw him advance as the seasons went on, and he became what Opie was, which is this gigantic, strong. You know, crazy central character. And so for you, your acting background, where... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tell, tell us about a little bit about you. Well, I love this fun fact because I just learned this today. What was and well, I like this fun fact. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of fun facts. You know, <laughs> I uh, I wanted to act coming out of high school, so I went to a little junior college and did a two year program, and it was awesome. Where was the junior college? Uh, San Diego Mesa College. And, um, and you know, this is great for fans to hear, and a lot mm-hmm. of aspiring actors, you know, maybe who can't afford Juilliard yeah. or even Emerson or NYU. I love that. So, that, so that's not a school that would be known maybe for its no, dramatic not arts. not at all. And, you know, it's had some successful, you know, people pass through it who have done good and gone on to Yale and other schools. But I didn't really have that uh, option. I didn't have a great GPA out of high school. I, I was kind of stupid. <laughs> and applied to two different schools. And that was but my your focus thing. there was acting. Um, yeah, coming out, definitely. So and what did you study when you were there? Did you just do, like, the, the school play and things uh, like that? Yeah, or well, the classes? I played football and had fun and did student body and all that stuff. But I, I think I did, like, two homework assignments my entire senior year, if that. <laughs> okay. Probably not even that. Maybe one. What? Well, were there classes on, you know, for, did you take classes while there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a great drama teacher in high school, and I was with him for all four years the entire time. And then out of college, I got lucky and found another great teacher. and uh, Here in L.A.? No, San Diego. At, wow. at the main, you see, at, at the and again, college. that's just great for people who He's think... He's new to L.A. But yeah. it's great for people to hear this because, you know, I can't tell you how many times people think that they have to be either in New York or L.A. to be with the best people. So this is this is amazing that, you know, from a community outside of those places, you were able to get the education you needed. Absolutely. And, you know, it's really what you put into it. I mean, it's all about work. And I was lucky. I, I grew up in a situation where you had to work hard. I grew up on sport fishing boats and uh, ran boats out of college when I didn't do anything else and acting wasn't quite working out yet. And uh, that's what I did for a while until I got a job at the La Jolla Playhouse, which is a really prestigious regional theater in San Diego. Jersey Boys started there. They've had dozens of shows go to Broadway. Memphis, which just won the Tony a couple years ago for best show. And uh, that's where I did my first show and got my equity card, got an agent through it and started auditioning. And his first television role is... 
Filthy Phil and Sons of Anarchy. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really amazing. And and do you think when 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 they when Kurt cast you, did he have a long term plan for Filthy Phil or was it did it evolve? You know, I wasn't really privy to that. Um, you know, basically my perspective on it is they brought in three prospects when I came in. Right. You know, Hassack had left at the end of season two. And uh, in episode four they introduced me and Miles. And then in episode six of that season, they brought in me, Miles, and Shepard uh, to get our cuts and like a little introduction to the I club. That. And Shepard was gone rather quickly. He, uh, I don't know what the plan, a, a great actor played him. Uh, oh gosh, uh, Leo Fitzpatrick or Leo Fitzgerald, um, who uh, was on Kids and is a really darn good guy. And we, I kind of thought he was going to be the one who stuck around, but it didn't work that way. And me and Miles survived the season and then. Uh, Miles got patched and later killed in season four. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And uh, I don't know if the whole central plan was to keep Marissa, me around. you got to play spoiler for them. Yeah. There we Spoiler go. alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> anyway, but uh, it, it's for me as a filmmaker, yeah. you're the guy I would have kept. Because you're the, just your look and your presence right. is something that I remembered. Oh, that stuck nice. with me. And again, it's what I saw back there. Yeah. Back East is what I saw from what I would think is one of the premier outfit, uh, clubs yeah, in, we, uh, Angels, in New York. In Boston. Boston, gotcha. So, you know what I mean? So, seeing that, I, anyway. I, I, and Mo I, has the complete opposite background. So, yeah. So, t- going over. I did my homework today. I'm pretty over, impressed. Now, now, let me also now compliment <laughs> you, Mo, because tonight was really the first night that we, well, it's the second night that we saw you, but we got to know more about you. Yeah. But. All I remembered as you came in tonight, and we, we talked briefly, I said, like, I just remember your reaction to when the other uh, bikers were, when Pope killed, had the other bikers killed yes. from the Niners, and your reaction of just like complete shock. And your acting tonight, the restraint that you used, and just your expressions, it showed that you were present in the meeting, but yet you could tell you were over your head. That that you were, that this was like what am I doing here? I was just a soldier a few weeks ago, not even a a second or third in charge, and now I'm in charge. But I'm going to do my best to hold my own, and all that to me was conveyed with your body language Without to speaking. me, and that's great acting. It's a right. show, don't tell, you know. And I do great, Chris. No, you know. absolutely. It's it's something that's similar between both of their characters. Is with both of them, especially you know tonight we saw a lot more with Mo that to be able to show the world exactly what you're feeling without saying a word is amazing. And it's, so, and your yeah. background is totally opposite of his background. How so? How is it? I, I mean, I got my, I got my cheat sheet. I got my homeworks, but you've been well, acting for a long time. Well, he was born a woman. <laughs> well, yeah. That has to come out later in the interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. Later spoiler alert. Spoiler. So. Come on, Marissa. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> but you started acting a lot younger. Yes, I did. Went from basketball to theater. I, I got yes, it. I yes. mean, I got it. I read I the interview. Band, no, no. Tell me my life story. The interview <laughs> came out today. It was a great interview um, on StarPulse.com. It was amazing. Okay. I got to read through it and learn a lot about you. And then fi- finding out that he actually rides a motorcycle. I'm always excited to hear that. Um, but you've been acting for a long time and you've done a lot of work other than sons. Yeah, I think I've had a pretty good career so far. I've been blessed. I started in high school. We share that. That's the okay. same. Started in high school. Where, what high school? Washington Preparatory. Okay. In Los Angeles. I'm actually from so you're LA. Not LA. Not gotcha. a lot of people in the industry are from LA. No, no they're not. You know, it's funny. We met with uh, a few years ago. 
we we had a meeting with Nike, and one of their gripes was that celebrities come here, kind of get their success out of L.A., and then go back to their hometowns around the country as heroes and like, oh, I'll build a, a football field in my hometown. And no one gives back to L.A. because see? they just kind of rape the city and leave. So it's very cool yeah, that so you now got those Nike can give with me. like USC. Just now they got you. <laughs> barely getting by. You know, barely getting by with SC and the Lakers. No, but now me and Nike could come together and they could do a football I, stadium with we me. We can talk that. We can talk about that. <laughs> we got to keep the hero. We, we got to keep the career going. No, I wanted to. Anyway, it's good that you know Chris about his career. But for but our you're fans. you're not only an actor. I I want to know everything. No. So, right. so you get so you get out of school, mm-hmm. and then what's your next step? I started bagging groceries. <laughs> Did you really? Yes, that was my. I have that one job in my life. I worked at Ralph's, and I bagged groceries. Union job, good money on Third and La Brea. And all the time, people would come in and say, "Oh my God, you're such a handsome guy. You should be an actor." I'm like, "That's what I want to do." And they say, "I'm a manager. Take my card." And I'd be pumped. I'd go home and tell my grandmother about it. Then <laughs> I call. I get the assistant. Call, get the assistant, yeah. get the oh, yeah. assistant, yeah, yeah. over and over, and then finally I quit. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I applied at a grocery store and got accepted, but I didn't want to join the union and pay the dues. It's just funny. Hilarious. Pay a lot Are you SAG? No, you have to pay your dues. No, you have to yeah, pay it's a different yeah. story. SAG All right, so, so go ahead, please. <laughs> Sorry. So, so you, how did you eventually turn into acting from bagging groceries? It was a really Hollywood dream story the way it happened. I was involved with this program and this organization where we did a lot of community work, teaching kids in at-risk environments, the importance of spoken word, poetry, or music, okay. and the arts to express themselves. And we got a lot of press. So an agent came to check out the program. But I was sitting outside in the lobby. He didn't know I was a part of the program or anything. And he sees me in a chair and he hits me with the same thing I kept hearing at Ralph's, which was, oh, you've got a great look. You should be an actor. You're interested in acting. I'm like, that's what I love. It's what I want to do. I'm trying to find a way in. He's like, I'm an agent. I'd represent you. By this time, I'm tired of hearing it. Can I ask you what agency he was with? Uh, Michael Green at Green & Associates. Oh. So I say, I'm t- I've heard this a lot. I'm just going to find my own way. He said, no, I don't just talk. I'm serious. I said, I'm serious, it. too. Okay. <laughs> and he said, well, if you have any talent and you're serious, I'll start. We'll talk next week. So I called, and I've been with them my entire career. It's been That's 10 amazing. plus years. Wow. Okay. So And so then you started booking stuff. Yes. What was your? What were some of the other things you've done? Uh, early, I was in a film. The first movie I was in was Thirteen. Okay. And I did a lot of television shows like NYPD Blue and Boston Public. A couple episodes right. of that and Cold Case and so on and so on and films and. It's amazing because usually, again, I'm the old guy at the table, but this is the journey of all the great actors who eventually, you know, get there. Like right now it's a recurring role for you, but I, you, this is, you're right on that program to be able to build to a series regular, you know, which is I'm cool. I'm, I'm excited to be sitting next to you. No, man, it's thank you. It's humbling. Cool. I'm just thankful to, to get paid to have fun. You know, I feel it's unfair sometimes. Can you talk to Maria Menounos about that sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she made it very young, and we have this argument all the time where I'm like, you understand, like, don't, let's just say, I, I have to go to work. I'm like, no, you're going down to the Grove where music's playing and the sun's shining and you and Mario Lopez are dancing with 100 people behind you that's what you're doing you're not working work i i can show you what work is if you want we can be reminded of how much yes. fun work is um that's very that's really cool so and so you ride a motorcycle do you ride a motorcycle chris i do ride although i don't own a motorcycle but you do ride yeah okay so how how much 
writing is done on the show by the actors? Quite a bit. Uh, almost all of it. Matter of fact, they only use stuntmen if something like crazy happens. Like if somebody goes down or if, uh, you know, there's some sort of action involving weaving in and out of cars that has to be done really quickly. I mean, uh, I mean, last point, uh, last year, Happy like kicked, kicked a cop car, and that was you know David Labrava doing his own writing. Right. He's just a very accomplished writer, so I would say ninety percent of it is That's done incredible. by the actors. Well, it's it's impressive. See, no, and, and it seems like that in the wide shots, and I'm keep trying yeah. to figure out. So, so no one's on a trailer. No, no, like uh, like, <laughs> like on the TV show you know, Chips. No. I won't be uh, spoiling anything by saying Ron Perlman is one of, is pretty much the only guy who gets trailered up at this point. I did my first season, season three, uh, that was me on a trailer, and it was terrifying. It was way worse than riding an actual I would motorcycle. Think it would be the trailer, yeah. Oh, it's, Why? it's awful because what? they like duct tape your motorcycle onto this plywood, and then it drags you behind it. And it's like falling down because it doesn't have any momentum of its oh, own. Oh, it's not the right. same process trailer for cars. See, the car trailer is fine. Right. No, no, no. that's cake. No, this was oh. way... And it didn't look like they were... Uh, it was it was terrifying. You know it's, it's intentional, like, so yeah. you'll really ride the bike. Absolutely. So that's that's I break ex- out the two-by-four. <laughs> that's they exactly what it was. And after that, I'm like, you know what? I am never getting on that damn trailer. But Ron Perlman can't ride. Right, he can't. No, mm. oh, tomorrow. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, he can. He can. Okay, no, he can ride. Right, we don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, he can dance is right. what he can do. <laughs> Man can dance. We were talking about uh, Kurt Sutter and how he started out with twenty thousand Twitter followers and mm-hmm. what he's grown into. And you had some thoughts on why it's grown so much. Well, you know, uh, we you know we are actually discussing the the wonderful work you guys have done in oh. making your. Oh, after You're following so big. Yeah, yeah, After Buzz has become so huge. And Kurt, you know, when I first got on the show, he had like 20-something thousand followers. And was just, uh, he got publicity when he said an angry thing about mm-hmm. the Emmy snubs or something like that. Uh, and then uh, season four, it seems like, in the hiatus, he made a real concentrated effort to stay engaged with the fan base and uh, build almost a relationship with them. And I think it's really, really paid off for our show. I mean, you see our ratings have climbed past two seasons, right. which is basically unheard of. Unheard of, yeah. And uh, now he's up to something like 185,000 followers. And he's so brutally honest on mm-hmm. Twitter. Yes. Like, you don't ever have to question where he stands on an issue, no matter if it's with the show or anything else. And I think, as someone who does follow him on Twitter and who's someone who's obsessed with Twitter, um, I think that's important. And, and it is also important to respond to whatever followers that you have. And he's really gracious at doing that. And he's also great at giving out information where he's great at giving you the information that you really want, but just enough to make sure that you engage in the show and that you watch it without giving you all the spoilers. Like he's really kind of, and I'm very surprised to hear that he's actually tweeting everything himself because I had gotten to the point where the last year I was like, no way he's tweeting all this stuff himself. Like he's got to have a publicist doing it for him. And why do you say no way? Well, is it just so clever? Or so, I mean, it what? is. He's very clever and he's very witty and he's very brutally honest. And at the same time, somebody who's as busy as him, I just wondered if he was the one that was actually sending the tweets. Because we all know there's people that don't send their own tweets. What, <laughs> we do. By right. the way, Maria, all of hers, she right. sends no, on herself. That. And I also know a lot of other celebrities that do. They're very intimate with their fans. Yeah, it, you it, have it, to be. It means a lot to them. And I think a lot of celebrities get so... Unfortunately, because they can't really have real friends because, you know, you never know who's being your friend, what's real, what isn't. It, it, God, it goes back to Sunset Boulevard. I don't know if you guys ever see this movie. It's a great movie. 
but it says so much about Hollywood back then and now. But Nora Desmond, I think she has one line where she says, at the end of the day, it's just, it's just us and those little uh, people in the theater or the some line. Yeah. But, but it's just the fact that you have this relationship with your fans and kind of nothing else. Oh, I think you it's know. fantastic. I, I That's love how we got Chris here tonight. Yeah, exactly. That's how we got Chris here tonight. I was, was tweeting. There. Tell us about, so you guys, I want to hear both you guys what it's like. I know it hasn't been a long time you work with Kurt, but can you tell us, you know, starting with you, Chris, about what it's like to work with Kurt, maybe some interesting fun stories? Well, you know, uh, it, it's really pertinent now because Kurt always directs the final episode of the season, and that's what we're working on right now. And uh, it's really great to have him in that process because he has everything so figured out and he knows exactly what he wants to see that it really makes him a great director on set. Um, He gives you little pieces of action even when you're just, you know, standing in the background that informs what's happening on screen. And that's something that I think he uses in, in his entire process. I mean, the writing, you can tell that he's just thinking about everything and he's got it all covered. So it, it comes out really rich on screen. And, uh, you know, I, uh, besides when he's directing, I don't really have much uh, direct contact with him. He's At that point, he's very much the writer and the producer. And we see him for the table reads, and that's about it because he's just so darn busy. At the table reads, is he directing you guys in any way, shape, or form? Or does he leave that to his field generals, like the pe- people directing the episode? No, he just wants to hear it. He, he gives a lot of uh, room for his actors. And that's what the table reads for is he gets to listen to what their take is on it. And that informs his first edit and so on and so forth. But he's not saying, you know, can you say it more this way? Or, I, or be... I, he has never given a direction at a table read. Wow. Not one. You I know what my there. question is? Do you guys – I know that in some series when you get your parts, um, you get your scripts, you're not given the entire script for the whole episode. You're only given the couple pages that you're in. Is that so for you guys as well? No, we get the whole script. Okay. So you really got a feel for the entire episode and know what's going on to know where you stand rather than it's yeah, all I a big secret. I think that's important. Yeah, it's smart for them to do it that way to at least understand what's going on in that particular episode so you mm-hmm. could get a feel for what your color is and the whole grand scheme of the painting. Absolutely. And, yeah, I agree. I don't know which one of you said this because I, I remember reading it today, but you were, you were saying just that, that what you think you're – your words are being spoken sometimes has nothing to do with the story that it's telling. Oh, yeah, that was my That was you, yeah. yeah. And it, that was really interesting to me because as a viewer, we would never know that or see that. And when you get a script, sometimes it's hard to really feel out where it is. And then when you watch back, that was kind of cool to hear you say. And I think tonight's episode is a prime example of that, where everybody's having these conversations, but it's really not about the daycare and the kids playing and having to kiss them before you go to sleep. It's all the subtext in every scene. So I think that for me being a part of the show, and Chris, I know you know the same thing, the way Kurt Sutter sets everything up, the whole world is orchestrated to where you have to find truth in so many lies which yeah. makes it interesting so yeah. where people have to decipher like is, is this really happening or what are they talking about and if you know then you get to be in on the secret which makes it right. part of the fun of being a fan of the show and you know what's interesting Mo is that Tyler is at the, the head of his organization yes. and he's not necessarily embracing it he's trying to figure out his way and we kind of see Jax who's also newly at the head very of his organization similar. very similar and you can just see the different directions that they're taking, whereas Jax is uh, watch his best friend die. You, I mean, 
you watched uh, Darnell die <laughs> yes. brutally in yeah, the first thing. Right. Who was a and friend of mine. Who, I played him as a dear friend. come up together. And it's a very uh, parallel situation you guys have. But the one scene with you, you saw just how differently those choices have led you. I mean, I, unless they took out a scene where you beat somebody to death with a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten my retribution yet, so I'm still waiting. <laughs> oh, it's going to be cold and brutal. Yeah, well, you know, and he's more green you know, than the character than, than Jax, because Jax grew up in the system. And, yeah, and had know. a father who was present. Right, and it, was, yeah. and, and it was interesting. You're right, though, because it's watching Alvarez, who's like the vet. He's and a you've definite got, vet. And mm-hmm. you've got Jax, who's kind of in the middle, and then you have you know the, Tyler, who's like, you know, the the rookie. So it was interesting. It was a great, like, summit. Lynn's always there. He's yeah. great, too. Yeah, it's nice to see him around. I mean, it's like... It, you know, even to do the show, you guys, it's it's hard because th- there's so much going on. There's so many layers. And there's so many characters in this. Uh, you know, that's really hard to do yeah. as a writer in an hour. And, and they've got me on everything. It's hard as an actor, too, because you, you go into chapel and then you're like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, what happened three pages ago <laughs> in the last scene? Do, do I know this? Or does the character know this? Yeah, the character knows this bow, but he doesn't know this. So you've got to make sure you play that as you know, as honestly as you can without, you know... Um, Tipping the hand. Exactly, yeah. exactly, or indicating uh, a little too much, and uh, it's, it's by, hard. By trying not to indicate. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to look at you because so I don't want to tip them off. I'm so happy I don't have to work anymore. Tomorrow I'd be terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yes, it's something that the layers just get really complicated after a while, and you have to be on top of your game as an actor, and then as a fan, it's even way more harder because you don't get to yeah. read it three times. No. Was the... The Opie death scene and and maybe even the Opie funeral, was it emotional for you guys? And before you answer, you know, this is what I want to say is we were watching it. We were very emotional watching it. And I said to myself, I had a funny feeling that it felt like it would have been emotional for the actors, too, because he seems like a good guy. I, I don't know. I've always felt like I've had a knack for watching actors say, okay, I can tell that guy's really a dick. And then I can tell this guy's really <laughs> a nice guy. It shows up It shows up. You know, it, it does. does. It does. You know something? It does. And I feel it does. And Or if I see someone that maybe is not even a dick but just so consumed by the role. Yeah, I, I say this about Jack Lord doing Hawaii Five O. You know, again, I'm dating myself. I say this about Adam West doing Batman. I say Shatner doing Damn. Star Trek. But like these guys would just, as much as they got, some of them got mocked for the way they portrayed the roles. I feel like they just were the role. Yeah, yeah. and at some point they never knew how to step out of it. They were mm-hmm. that much into the role, which I think is kind of cool. But with but Opie to me seems like. A nice guy. He mm-hmm. seems like a good guy. And I would think that to not be working with him anymore would be emotional for a lot of those actors who spent four or five seasons. And, you know, when you do these kind of shows, and I know from having done writing on TV shows, it's it's so sad when shows go off the air or you break everybody up, not only because you're saying goodbye to someone at 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 a job, it's not just any job. It's not like you working at Ralph's. You worked with someone for five years, and still you'd be bummed when they leave. But it, these jobs that are so significant, and there's just major pivotal parts of your life, life-changing jobs. This is life-changing, this job for you. And, yes. and Mo, this, this is a life-changing job for you. So think of, for Opie, you know, yeah, life-changing has. for him and life-changing for the other people around him, other than, say, a Ron Perlman. But even to a degree, it's given Ron and... Um, and Gemma, such extended plays in their careers that maybe they didn't expect. So, my, so with all that said, was it really emotional 
just to do the scenes immensely immensely with i mean uh because ryan came back for episode four when he laid in the coffin and uh it was really a a real goodbye at that point yeah and i don't want to because ryan is a is a really soulful dude and he might say things uh, along the lines about the process that he uh, he went through with opie Mm -hmm. but he did say one thing that i think can be revealed and that's uh that every actor has like a graveyard of characters that they did and then they put them away and they're they're just always kind of there and i have them even though uh not on tv i have them from my stage work and everything i've done my whole career as i'm sure mr mccray has quite a few of them littered about but ryan was talking about that and it's it's really true i mean you say goodbye to someone and they go away and there's a sadness to that that you can't avoid, and uh, those two weeks were pretty tough. But you guys are really a family outside of the show as well. You, I mean, I, I'm constantly seeing uh, and following on Twitter and on Facebook that you're doing charity events together, mm-hmm. and, and outside yeah. of work, you guys are all pretty tight as well. Yeah, so. absolutely, and I think it shows on the show too. Absolutely. It and let me jump in right there since you said charity event. We have to acknowledge this wonderful thing that Chris the Reed golf just did. Classic. The golf classic. It was, was amazing. An amazing. We event. were trying to go. Actually, we were. Oh, really? We were trying to go. I was. Oh, yeah. I was like, how do we find out about this? Oh, you guys should have Chris Reed put I together I saw such the pictures an were amazing event for I could an have, amazing um, cause. I could have whored out, I mean, sent you Maria. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, next year, next consider year we that book. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we'll all be there next year, don't yeah, worry. That would be fantastic. As long as you take along my old lady. You the know, old lady has it to wasn't old me. Lady. I'm going to just interject a quick shout out to bootcampaign.org, And they're really the ones who got that done and organized it. And... Uh, they're the best people. What the what the cause for the boot campaign is is it's just uh, it started as an awareness thing. Um, had people buy combat boots and put them on for soldiers returning home that they oh, can see nice. that people yeah. are wearing boots and it's just a small thing of support and it's grown and now they they give away mortgage free homes. They they their whole mission is to improving soldiers' lives when they come back home. So important. Yeah, and they work with the Lone Survivor Foundation with Marcus Luttrell, who's got a movie coming out. And it's such a beautiful, wonderful organization filled with the most inspiring people you can imagine. A lot of the volunteers are military wives and spouses. So Marcus, his movie is coming Mm -hmm. out, right? It was just, is it Mark Wahlberg is the one? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Emmett Furler is doing it. Was it Pain and Gain? I believe that. Is that that the name? I'm sorry that I don't know because you just caught me off guard with this, but I just heard great things about this movie. Randall Emmett's a producer that I I heard Wahlberg really threw himself into it. Yes. I did. I, I had heard that, but I haven't learned much about it. We haven't seen Marcus. It's supposed life. to be a great story. They just yeah. had a dinner with all of them, and, and the survivors, uh, the families of the survivors met th- with the actors playing the roles, and I guess were so touched and in, in how well they, they did. But So that's really interesting. So he's part of this. Yeah, it, it's just – yeah, Marcus has been involved with Boot Campaign, and it's impossible not to hang around that organization and not be really touched. And you, yeah. you got involved and then pulled all the sons in? or. You you know, I came from San Diego, which is a military town, and I count myself really fortunate in that because I grew up with F-14s flying over my elementary school, and I got a real sense of uh, of of service in the town because you had friends whose dads were going away, moms were going away, and constantly moving and leaving, and uh, 
I got a real sense of what it means to be in the service, and I really, really appreciate it. And I, I count myself really fortunate for this job for many, many reasons, and none of them is uh, more prominent than I get to do a little bit uh, in helping service members and right. just anything towards it. There's always been kind of a – it seems like a kinship between people in the service and bikers. And if you – like the Hells Angels was started by – you know, in 48 by yeah. old uh, military men. Who Boost basically, Fighters, which was right. the first club in California, was military. It was guys. military because yeah. they kind of came back. They still wanted to kick ass and they kind of <laughs> had no purpose. They felt like they had yeah. no purpose, nothing to do. And they, were, you know, and probably were messed up from the war. And back then we weren't aware of post-traumatic stress disorder and all those other things. And they banded together and off it went. And so it's also interesting on the show that um, – Jax's dad was, I think, was Vietnam. Yes, you Clay, know? Piney, and John Teller were all well, Vietnam vets. Yeah. So yeah. it's perfect. So it's very organic that you, that that you. And the just goes of, to yeah. how Sutter thinks everything out. He has a whole mythology behind it that richly informs what you see where the club is today, and that's with Clay, with Gemma, with the dearly departed Piney and John Teller, and it it, it influences who Jax is becoming, and that's the story of the show. Wow. And it's and it, it it just shows that the the military connection will always be there with sons, and it's something that I'm really proud to be a part of. That's very cool. We're happy to have you on. Sons. Yeah, and so, I just want to let the listeners know as well that Chris does have another engagement that he has to get to. So if you stop hearing from him if throughout he just, the episode, if he just fades away, it's yes. ju- it's not because he doesn't love you all. It's yes. just because he does have somewhere else that he has to. I get I can to. do my Chris Reed impression. I I'll be happy. Oh, you no. can do it. <laughs> you know what? Hell. Hey, Marissa, do we have commercials? anymore that we can go to? Yeah, we can go to commercial. Let's go to a commercial and then when we come back, we will break with, down the with episode. Mo. Mo, can you stay with us, please? Yes, I can. All right, we are going to actually break down this episode and Chris, maybe you'll come back uh, another week? Whenever Absolutely. you want. We'd love to have you I back. I would love to. Yeah. And sit in and really, you know, great. do an episode with us. Alright, uh, let's go to commercial, Marissa, and then we will be back to break down this episode. Hey there, good buddies. The handle's Wooly Bear. I'm a truck driving man, but I'm not that old school kind of truck driving man, no. I like to listen to podcasts while I'm driving through these great United States of ours. And my favorite podcasts in the world are from AfterBuzz TV. And why? Because <laughs> AfterBuzz TV is like a post-game wrap-up show for all your favorite TV shows. Like Jersey Shore, Dancing with the Stars, Mad Men, and a whole truckload more. I like listening to my Gossip Girl podcast, catching up with all my fellow fans and getting all the latest news and gossip. No, I got some strong opinions. And After Buzz TV lets me share those opinions with thousands of other listeners. Holy, what a feeling. I used to doze off on those lonely stretches of road. And don't worry, I got the cruise control. But now I'm wide awake and listening to all the After Buzz TV goodness. <laughs> Check them out. Give them a holler. And tell them the old woolly bear sent you. After Buzz TV. Hi, I was once like you. A lazy, angry loner whose only joy was watching TV and surfing the net. And, like you, after I'd see one of my favorite TV shows, I'd be so excited and have so many questions that I'd actually have to talk to my douchebag co-workers about it at the water cooler. Then, I discovered AfterBuzzTV.com. AfterBuzzTV produces after-show webcasts and podcasts for TV series of all kinds, like post-game wrap-up shows for all your favorite TV shows. AfterBuzzTV hosts are industry insiders who break down episodes of shows, take calls from fans, and interview cast and crew from each series with over 60 different after-shows, from Boardwalk Empire to American Idol to Vampire Diaries to Real Housewives and more. 
Now, after a night of TV, I can ignore my stupid co-workers, who I hate, and go straight to my desk and watch or listen to all my favorite AfterBuzz TV after shows and have all the TV fan interaction I need. Thank you, AfterBuzz TV. AfterBuzz TV. What do you want to buzz about? <laughs> like Mo McCray's busy. Leave a message. And we're back. And Mo McCray's busy, so leave a message. Hey guys, we're back. Uh, Kevin is stepped out for a minute. He's going. He's saying goodbye to Chris, which we're super glad that you guys came in tonight. Um, but we want to get into the episode because I know our listeners um, want to get the little breakdown before we uh, head out for the night. So the first thing that we are going to talk about is the Gemma, the Gemma Nero Carla situation. Wow. Okay. Which, first of all. I mean, we know we've seen Carla be set up as scary. Mm-hmm. She's tough. She's not taking any bullshit from anybody. But I don't know. I, I don't think that I ever expected Carla to cross the line that she crossed tonight. Yes. As a Hi, Kevin. Hi, guys. Kevin's back. Welcome back, he buddy. Us. Thank you. How'd you do it without me? I d- we did good. You know, Mo McCray I mean, was busy. Right, we left thing, him a Mo, message. Here's the thing. I'm not a host. Okay. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm not a host, but you're hosting. Chrisley is the is a host. She's a professional host, and she throws it on me. I'm just the old lady to do this. I do. I totally. Yeah, throw she it throws on it on me because she wants Every to be week. the old lady on this. I just want to be. How the did old you do lady. when I was gone? Well, Mo actually brought us back. It was brilliant. Right, thank you, Mo. Talking we... about our great commercial voices. Oh, Rich, um, Sir Richard Wentworth. So he, we need to reach out to good old Sir Richard and have him Mo. do your yeah, do your do your great. voicemail. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. I really appreciate that. He's a very talented young man. Um, we were talking about Gemma, Nero, and Carla, and that disastrous threesome tonight, and wow. how Carla's really been set up to be. We've known she's tough. We know she's hard. We know she doesn't take bullshit, but. <sighs> She's a Latino Gemma. But as I watched tonight, I did not expect it to go where it went. By any, like there was nothing either. in my head. I and didn't. I'm usually good at pinning. So it was great this. writing. Great it writing. Was brilliant writing. I didn't expect it. Surprise factor. But, but I was. I found it to be organic. I didn't. Of course it was. It wasn't like to me. It wasn't like wait. That's that's out of character. It was. It's like, okay, I expect you to break in. I expect you to pull a gun. Do I expect her to say, Nero, Gemma, get naked in bed and start having all no, sex? That, but no, but that seems like Kurt Sutter. Like, if you read his tweets and stuff, that's, he's crazy. The perversion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, if you follow him on Twitter, you know what kind of guy he is. He's so a pretty raw guy. He's, he's really raw. But I appreciate that in him. I feel like not having a censor is what makes me fall in love with Kurt Sutter every time he tweets. Well, and to me, I looked at Carla as a Gemma type. She's a, an old lady, loyal, smart, all those things. But Jem is so damn good that Carla just came up a little short. And she knew she lost. She did. She knew she lost and she was going to blow her head off because her she was a true old lady. Her yeah. life was all about Nero. And it was interesting that they let us in on the fact that they weren't lovers. Where in Carla's mind, they may have been lovers, and she may have been she in love with they Nero. Could have been. Right, but it was in, like that was really. But, but Gemma was right. Gemma, Gemma said, yeah, yeah, she was she in was, love with you." But because of course, Gemma she knows all. At her like a little sister. Like he brought her in, he took care yeah. of her, then she saved him. But I, I think as viewers, we all thought that they had had something. I felt past. like I, it felt like to me that. They messed around maybe like 10 years ago. Like I see that a lot mm-hmm. with, with relationships. And then the guy, whatever, starts hitting on younger girls or whatever. Right. But the, the old lady stays loyal. Right. Um, but, man, it was, it was something. You know, it was, 
it definitely took me it took me by surprise but again i i bought it it, it's always bio. I bought it. Yeah. So in comes, of course, Clay. Well, she called Unser right? first. She calls. You're right. She and called he, Unser first. And he, of course, first. doesn't answer because he's had it. Right. Old faithful is done. He is, and I love Unser. And I just by the give way, no. So, but by the way, it's it. Listen, that's we can't really just gloss over that because what Unser said to her, right, was amazing. It, basically, you're going to die alone. Yeah. You, you, know, you have no one. Everyone knows you just, you know, I know what your game is now. You kind of just give me a kiss or whatever to get me to do what you want. But at the end of the day, it's all about you. Right. And Jax knows it and Tara knows it. And you're going to die alone. And by the way, I, to me, I don't know many more painful things to say to somebody, especially a woman. He should have incorporated well, yeah. the fact that she would have nine cats. That would have just really right. did it. You're gonna die alone with and some, some cats. Birds, with cats. Yeah. She loves her birds. Right. The birds. Yeah, she's got Creepy the birds. Bird same same deal. Birds or cats. But I found I thought that was amazing because for five you know, all these seasons, you know, her, you know, he has always been her right hand man. Yeah. He shows up when no one else does. But she's amazing because she said, what's up with you? Like, she's so shrewd. But like, she, she crossed the line with him. Had she not kissed him and not given in to that moment. She needed, but she needed to at the moment, though, to right. get him to do her bidding. But if she hadn't, he'd still be there for her. Because he I would don't know. still be waiting. She let him bite the carrot, basically. Yeah, he she, didn't, she, gave him, she gave him too much. But, but we don't know if she didn't give him that at the moment. Would he have, yeah. He may have had it back then. Like, she had to keep doling out. You know, Baiting. little by little. To bait him. And, but it's interesting. I just, the character of Gemma, she's so shrewd, but she said, What's up with you? She knows he's talking of to. Of course. May not know specifically that he's talking to the sheriff or whatever, but he knows that. He's hanging he's, around the hospital. He's having a moment right. of consciousness where he's starting to say, You know what? He's Maybe getting is- away from her grip. He's coming yep. out of the web. Yeah. And she is such a black widow, too. She's, she's just, like, evil. Such a black widow. And I was actually shocked that she ca- ended up calling Clay. Like, No, not at all. Who's really? she going to call? Not I at mean, all. she's called Bobby been... in the past. She's no, called Tig no, in the past. They're not with her anymore. Everything's been... And by the way, we saw her and Clay, things melting. Remember last week we saw in the healing a little melting? Yeah, not so much healing this week. <laughs> no, we, not so nope, much healing this, this week. This was not healing this week. But I, again, I totally buy, see her buying... I, Calling Clay. Right. I could see. I mean, Mo, what do you think? Yeah, she needs him. And he wants her so bad that she knows she could always kind of dangle that in front of him because he desires to be in her good graces. Right. Right. So he'll come. He'll do the things that no one else would do. And for the exact reason what she showed at the end, which was, can I come by tonight? Right. And of course she said yes. Yes. Of course. Why did she say yes? Well, she, she knew to. she wasn't going to be there. Right. Wait, exactly. wait, that's more. She, she had to. She had to. She can't have him come and clean up the literal and proverbial dirty work and then say, okay, now that's it. Now beat it. Because he didn't finish the job. Exactly. She needs to wait till those ashes are cremated. Mm-hmm. Done. Everything's done, right. Then she she's can go back stupid. to saying no. <laughs> yeah, she can't Something. say no yet. No, she's not stupid. And, uh, well, let, let's talk about Clay and Nero just briefly. You know, their little tete-a-tete. I'm surprised Nero didn't say, hey, we got, there's nothing between us because he made the agreement with Jax, but he said, I don't know. No, Clay said man to man. He couldn't lie. He asked for man right. to man. I agree. So, I agree. He couldn't. He, you know, he's not sure. He doesn't know where he stands with her. We saw them having that moment where you could see the passion and the fire between them, but 
they weren't supposed to do it because of what Jack said. And now, I mean, I don't think he really knows where he stands with Gemma. And from last week when I talked about the interview, we know that they're going to be each other's distractions throughout the season. So we know there's something that's going to continue between them, whether it's physical or not, we don't know. And I feel like that's he was being honest with Clay, which I don't know why anybody would, but he clearly <laughs> doesn't know who Clay is. He has no, a code of honor. Um, yeah. Okay, so real quick. Cause which, we, can we, we talk about Clay? Do we want to jump down to Clay? No, let's get to, we'll, right. get, we'll get to Clay. Don't worry. So let, let's talk about Tara. We see we see Tara goes in and tries to make a deal with Otto, played wonderfully by. She's Kirk a Sonic. fine actress. She's, she's great. She's a great. fine actress. She's yeah. a wonderful actress. I'll and she's interject there. She's developed so much into her character from from seasons in the past to now. It's. This season, when she really took the role of the president's wife, you you saw it physically in her. She stood differently. Yeah, manifested. And yes. it was kind of amazing to see that as somebody who's watched from season one where she was just like this doctor who didn't know her place. And she kind of was like, I was like, why, why is he with the geek? Like, I don't understand. He's a biker. But now she's really. She's had a great everything. arc. She's probably had the best, the greatest arc in terms of trajectory on every, out of every character on the show. And rather organic. And by the way, mm-hmm. I always bought him liking her because that's a, if you're a badass, that's exactly what you want. You want the one that's totally moral, a doctor, none the even yeah, better. Square. You want to get a square. You absolutely <laughs> square to the circle. That's what that's what we want. I mean, that's what he would want. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, absolutely. But it's it, let's interesting. So she gets into Otto. Otto's mm-hmm. not budging. No, no. I mean, he would have budged budging. if she budged down on her knees. But but he said, but he said, and I won't either. Right. You know, which I thought was great writing and a great line. Great power play too. It was like, you want me to do this, you do this. No, yeah. then I can't do it. Well, it was I can't, like, yeah. You want me to compromise my integrity? You compromise yours. And and everything that Otto has gone through and done for the club behind bars for all these oh, years. Yeah, he's he's well he's within done. his rights. Like, he's, he's well just, within his he's rights. He's had it, and the problem is, is that. They, they may never get the truth to him. So he may never believe the truth. And we have to go rapid fire. I'm sorry, you guys. I know we, we do. took up so. So Tara and and Gemma make a scene like, again. Things are melting. Can you come by and watch the kids and all that? So it's like things are moving along. And Tara needs them. her a little bit. You Absolutely, know, so she's, right. She's going. To, it's like keep your friend, your friends, cl- enemies close, and your or whatever. Right. It is. Yeah, that it's, thing. That one that I keep screwing up. Right. Keep your Gemma close. Yeah. Keep, right. Exactly. Keep Gemma close. It's and what keep, she's doing. She's and not keep being Gemma stupid. even closer. Right. Because, yeah. Okay, so so that's what's going on with them. But what was interesting is Tara and Jax both kind of lie to each other. Big time lie. Okay, so it's like, oh, I, didn't, I had nothing day. It was kind of uneventful. And then she's like, yep, I didn't get to auto, didn't but I him. will. But would you guys say it was for the same reason, to protect the heart yes. of the other? Absolutely. To keep 100%. the worry factor down? Tara is very much forming her role as the president's wife, and she's not going to just go to Otto once. She's going to go to him and continue to is try. Is she going to wear him down or is she going to kill him? Like, what? What? what is her plan? I think she'll try to wear him down a little bit first. You don't think she's going to do the deed? I think that she will eventually, you but think I think she she'll try to wear him down first. And, and I by think the way, that that's does... why she didn't tell him tonight, because she wants to have the couple chances to go to him and say, I tried, and then I had to. Does killing him benefit them? I mean, do do we have his testimony under wraps? Yeah, it's it's in there. That That's the whole reason why she's there, is to make him reverse his testimony. It's right. there. So, killing, yeah, so him, killing doesn't help. Killing's not going to help. It seals it. So she's going to wear him down, and it's interesting, she's like, Gemma, can you step in on the kids? Gemma's out boozing, she's back to being a party girl, and of all things, Joel McHale 
comes in to hit on her. It was her. so weird. It was so, so weird. He was good. Joel he was really good. He was good. He's a talent. Dropped I, in and honest. I would have never expected to see Joel McHale in a role like that either. No, he had the stubbly all. beard. Did you see the stubble? He yep. was good. Like he was. He was really good. Completely unassuming. I was just like, did that really just happen? But here's, but here's one problem. And I'm going to share this with you, Mo, because, the, you know, you're a young actor. Okay. The problem is, is when you're, when you're Joel, and this is why Joel is so talented that he's able to balance this, but it's hard for even him. It's also hard for Maria, Mario Lopez, and anyone who's, quote, a personality, but also an actor. When we get to see them as Joel McHale every day, it's hard to buy him as, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, random guy in the bar. hitting the Disbelief, it's, the suspension of disbelief. Right, that's it. So when he, so as soon as they come in he, to a scene, I know this as a director, when I've, we call it stunt casting, yes. but when you stunt cast, say, a Snooki, or let's say you want to, you know, throw them in your movie because you know they're gonna they're gonna give you a little bit of juice. They're gonna bring their Twitter publicity. fan base, fan yeah, all that stuff, and it's a business. But the hard thing is, is your mind immediately goes to that's Joel McHale, right? So while we're all shouting at the screen, that's Joel McHale. We're losing moments, right? Yes. So it's a little bit difficult. He's a good enough actor where he pulls it off, but it is difficult. That's why we got to keep you a little hidden. That's it. For no, this that's interview. why no, no, that's no reality. No, no reality <laughs> well, show back, for you because uh, Joel was slated for two episodes, so we will see more of him. Uh, yeah, we will. Well, I I can't see him just coming in. I mean, we'll it seems like. And by the way, like fun and smart for the show. Like, why not? And reach this is more the people? first season that they're really bringing on people like. And that. you know who else is coming? I do, but I want you to tell us. Oh, oh get ready, Marissa. Here we go. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler Dave alert. Navarro. Super Dave excited about Navarro. Dave Navarro. Wow. He's perfect for the show anyway. I mean, Dave Navarro's perfect. Yeah, the aesthetic, he looks like he's supposed he to be he on Aesthetically, is, looks perfect, but because I see him now as more of a reality star with Ink and the other show he did. Leave us reality stars alone. Huh? Yeah, we no, can but do you know more. I love you. You're my old lady. <laughs> we can do more. But, but with but with him, again, yeah, but it's, you know what? You were like one and done with that season. Right. I'm good. I buy you and everything else. But with him, like I, you know, <laughs> I know him so much. Right. As a personality, so it's not like, oh, Dave Navarro. Exactly. It'll be the same thing. So, well, that's how I felt about Ashley Tisdale. You know what? Because I like to, you know, dabble behind the camera as well. So when I stunt cast, I'm going to have them just stand still for 10 seconds before they say anything. Actually, you know what? It's actually a like good that. idea. They so that everybody can say, hey, they that's can get their or, they can do or what it. they do with Ashley Tisdale is they actually worked her in so slowly. You yeah, know, so it was a slow build. It was like a one episode or two episodes before we really got to know her a little bit. I still didn't buy her. I bought Joel McHale more than Ashley Tisdale. And that's not just a girl hate thing because I like Ashley Tisdale. I thought Ashley you didn't was, believe her on the back of the Ashley bike? I fine. No. And I didn't believe that she would burn her ankle and it would cause Jackson to go I'd down. stop. Here we riding. go. Now we're getting off the subject. <laughs> so finally, so listen, the one thing I was excited for tonight is I knew the sergeant was going to get killed as yes. soon as I saw the opening. Like, okay, we're going to wrap that shit up. Ah, I love the way that went down. It went down, and we knew it was coming. Like, they had to get that retaliation. Jack said it. Um, The fact that Pope set that up as good faith, it it was amazing to me. Like, that just showed a lot to me about the rest of the season. But it was just so manipulative. It is so 48 laws of power. Like, the way Pope conducts, he's he's like the puppet master. Like, what he's doing with my character and the Mayans. I don't know what he has over them that would bring... He's so smart, though. He's just so smart. We've we've never gone against anyone like him from Jackson. I love, like, Clay. He's so... 
He's now so all of a sudden, Clay wants out of drugs. No, but by the way, Clay <laughs> is so past his prime as a leader. He's mm-hmm. like, we've gone against guys like this before. He says tonight, it's like, no, 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 you have never dealt with a pope before. And mm-hmm. Harold Perrineau, what he's done with the character has been so amazing. Because for me as an actor, I get scripts and I read them and I put a voice to everything the other characters are doing. And watching his take on it has been so interesting because there were so many different ways he could have played this. I'm the toughest guy to ever come. But he just plays it all so subtle and understated and it's yeah. contained, but you could still sense the ferocity well, I love, in there. And I love the I love the villains that have this like kind of charm to them. Yeah. Like yes. he seems so eloquent. You want to like him. And charming. There's a you magnetism do. there. That and he's by the playing. way, I'm si- I'm now liking him. I'm like, you know, you let's do. do business with this guy. Yeah, let's make like some him. money. That's the dangerous magnetism. Yeah. Like I the know. Godfather, he's like, ah, That's come it. on, let me. Why is it? God, I, I think it's just uh, again from being back east and growing up with a lot of those guys. I might be programmed that way, but I'm like, okay, what do you need me to do? Yeah, you Where like bury the body. You, you like it. Yeah. you know what it is. It's also like a man's man kind of thing. He is, and do, he's a rooting gentleman. for our boy. Without without giving away anything. Um, do, do you get to work with him anymore? Yes. If this is great, all right, that's really cool to know. I mean, maybe spoilers. <laughs> no, maybe no, 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 no. Chris is too busy <laughs> nagging us about time. So I, I loved. I mean, the the, the snow globe and the, yeah. and the music playing. By the way, great job to the director Very tonight. Eerie. Them all yeah. walking around. You'll uh, never him. hear that song the same way just again. Sharks swir- swarming, and I love Tig. How he just it was the. By the way, I felt tonight was. The old Tig I remember from the first two or three seasons. Yep, He's Unjustified gotten so killing. soft in the last few years and just yeah. lit the man emote. Yeah, I know. No, I like, yeah, by the way, we he let did no, get a little we, soft. He has been soft, but we love Tig and we've we been nervous he's going to get killed off. So we're right. grateful he's spared. But I love seeing the old Tig just out comes a gun, bang, blows Done. the lady, the wife's head off. Just business as usual. Yeah. And then, and he goes, yeah, but it felt good. You know, yeah. it felt good to do that for open. And they pound this guy's skull. And, and that was nice. That was a lot of fun. But let's, but going to the Pope deal. Um, that Jacks that he makes with Jacks, I think it's you kind of have to take the deal. And he's offered two percent; like it's a sweet deal. It is a sweet deal. What I what I like about the deal and what I like about Pope and his character is that it's almost like Pope sees himself in Jacks, and he sees a lot of potential in yes. Jacks. And he's said so many things to Jacks about him being a leader and and being a man and taking the step up and. Tonight saying loyalty has contingencies and it's got to be within your own group with the the whole break-ins. And to me, to see Pope see himself in someone else makes me believe that whatever deals they have are going to have the best intentions at this point. See, there has to be a caveat. There has to be a caveat there, but Jax is becoming kind of enamored with this whole thing that you're saying that he likes them and he admires them. Could the caveat... Okay, but could the caveat be that it's just simply good business? No. Never. I mean, he's going to profit off the Suns. It's it's not just a matter of, like, I can do business with this guy and make a lot of money with him. No, I think there's always an ulterior motive. It can't, are like you sure? There's no just altruism it, there. There's no altruism, but it's like, you know what? Like, you're, 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 I can do business with you, you can do business with me, we can make money together. Right. I think there's definitely an ulterior motive, and I don't think that Jack's looking at it that way right now because he's seeing someone that believes in his leadership and, and his Pope, qualities. And, Pope and he also, needs that now. He needs his confidence now. He is very shaken. He does. And by the way, Pope is, is basically leading him. 
to the conclusion that someone within your club is doing this. He's not outright saying it, but he's yeah. leading him there. Because Pope like knows. He knows. Yeah, he knows, he knows exactly who he is. He knows something's up. And he's like, so he's giving him good advice. But he, but I personally think that Jack's is still going to, for Opie, is still going to, at, at the end of all this, is going to yeah. kill Pope. I think, I mean, I think he hasn't forgotten it. I feel well, like it's in the back of his head. Now that he knows that there's a $5 million reward on his head, I don't know if he'll think and by the way, so you know, Pope lays that out there. <laughs> very conveniently. Like, right. yeah, by the way, stupid. if yeah. I die. Just so by you know. The way. Just yeah. so you know. And at $5 million, that means that whole that whole faction of the club gets wiped out. It's oh, not just Jax. Everyone's no. going to go. Everyone will um, go. Jax and the sheriff. Uh, we see the sheriff out of uniform. Ten-day leave. Wife's not made Wife it. is dead. Um, we see Anser kind of stepping up to help him. And... Them kind of having a cool exchange, and we see him actually try to take on uh, the sons, and it seems like his relationship with Jack just took a step backwards. Like, they were kind of making some headway, like they could work together. Yeah, not so much after this. So It was it was rough to see that. Um, Unser telling Clay his theory. Um, as I sat and I watched it, I was like, why is he doing this? He's so oh, stupid. Oh, yeah, we were like, don't. But now that I think about it and have watched the rest of the entire episode, Unser did it on purpose, because Unser knows it's Clay. Unser knows that Clay's behind it. He knows that Pope's too smart. He knows. So why tell him? Why, if you're Unser, why are you telling Clay? Because everyone thinks that Clay is still so weak. Because no one believes. So Unser thinks he's weak? I do. I think that Unser believes the same things that everyone else in the club does. That he still needs his oxygen. That he's weak and he's not rebuilding and that he can't hang. And I think that's why Unser did it. Because he needed to let him know that he's on to him. I'm going to have to agree this time. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree. And I just have, because you know I like to be right. I get really excited when I'm right. I, I was right, right, but I told you Clay was coming back, baby. I was, but I, I told you it was you all fake. That? You yeah. called it? I was so excited. I was like, there's no way. I was like, the breathing thing, it's all a fraud. It's all a fake. He's not hurt. He's. The, so you're saying Ron Perlman didn't convince you as an actor? Is that what you're saying? No. no he totally convinced <laughs> no, he me. No, did. Well, well, but he, we knew that. Well, when he couldn't pick up the bike and he was alone. Right. Because what, what do they say characters revealed when what is what you do alone when no one's watching? Right. Yeah, because he, it was real at a point. Yes. It was real at, at a, a point. point. But yeah. when we see him pumping iron that one scene, you know, it was like, oh, wait a second. And then he took the oxygen off to go talk to the, uh, I was going to say the, the CIA, but I guess they're not really the CIA. Well, they right. are really the CIA. But when he went to go talk to the, to Irish, the Irish, he took the, mm, the right. oxygen off. And I was like, it's all a facade. Like He wants everyone in the club and everyone around him to believe that he's weak, he's hurt, and he can't do this. Very and Machiavellian. To, oh, yeah. He's going to come back and he's going to take them all out. Well, we see, not you know, we, we see that, uh, you know, before we even talk about his comeback, we talk about, let's talk about the fact that at the vote, you know, he he's subtly doing everything to undermine. And I wasn't looking at his body language. Was he turned? He wasn't turned to the side, was he? He was facing front. No, he was head on. Head on. Yeah. So we're seeing, like, we've been noticing um, Ron as a, it seems, I don't know if it's the actor's choice or the director. He's kind of turned to the side of the table since he's been injured. But tonight he was. He was head on. He was head on. And six to five, close vote. Very close. But And all is like. Those freaking nomads. I hate seeing the nomads at the, the nomads. table. I hate the nomads at the table. Chrissy hates the nomads. I don't believe that they should be able to have a vote this early on in the game. Like, I understand that they got voted in. They're helping because they need numbers. But they shouldn't be able to vote. They're, they're too new. And you can't trust another club sense. yet. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm just thinking something. like a biker. I'm You're not thinking like it. a host. I love it. Um, but Chuck Zito can do whatever he wants. <laughs> 
Yeah. Let Chubb do whatever he wants. I know, right? I, I'm reading his book right now as we speak. It's very Zito interesting. He's the man. The nicest guy you'll ever really? meet. Really? Yeah, I've Chubb heard that. Chubb Zito is so nice. Like, I... I because you hear all the stories, of course, and you meet him, and you're like, and he comes over. He's like, "Hey, man, I just want to make sure I introduce myself yeah. to you, Chucky." And I don't know, smile, he just embrace nice. you. He's a great, great guy. So nice. Mm-hmm. And I believe that to be very different of what we see in Sons of Anarchy is that he didn't become the president of his motorcycle club because he was hated. He became the president of his motorcycle club because he was the right person for the job, and he is a nice guy, and he does make the right decisions on time. But Ooh. I've heard that he's amazing, and his book, the stories in his book are they they're mind-blowing i have to get his book because him as a person but also in his eyes because i grew up in a very uh intense environment i grew up in south central so i grew up around people that had you know mm-hmm. very and some of those guys had the biggest smiles and the warmest hearts right very but true. in their eyes they lied the truth all the time so mm-hmm. even with chuck as nice as he is you can look in his eyes and you can, you can see, see there's like oh this is a real guy he's I'm lived talking a to. life yeah, oh, yeah. and, and, and i also guy. I think, you know, some some of the older guys I find, you know, there's, there's uh, I go back to my days, right? Being back okay. east and being around those people. And when they're younger, they, uh, by being ass kickers and thugs, that's how they have the power. And then when they get older, they get a little older and say so younger guys can kind of kick their ass or, you know, then they... They now become more charming and generous, but it's it's all the quest for power. And I'm you know I'm not saying that I don't know Chuck personally, but I've heard the opposite. I've heard other stories about oh, what yeah, he's I'm like sure. to work with. And uh, so, but it's nice to hear this. And I just you know you wonder. I also see sometimes when people have um, reputations in our business, they kind of go the other. They realize they have to make an effort to go the other way. Right. You have to just play to against, be, it. especially yeah. with a young actor, and say, "Hey, welcome to set" or whatever. So I mean, but. I mean, either way, he's legit. You know, we, you know, um, you know, Howard Stern. It was his name came up, yeah, and 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 uh, in a private conversation with with Howard, and he was like, he just laughed. He goes, "He's a thug. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a thug." Well, do it for um, a long time. Marissa's about to pull our plug. She's about to kill us. Well, well, well we've well, now made everyone at After Buzz late, so we love okay, you all. The other sorry. shows. All right, well, that's Not okay. Your fault. So, so by the way, so now we see Clay's back. We know the nomads were working for Clay. Yes, um, and. Finally, they reveal that. Right? So, so um, Marissa, we're actually going to go to predictions right now. We're not going to be able to do news and gossip. That's okay. I didn't have any because I knew oh, the boys nice. were coming. We had the boys. The boys were here. We didn't need any news. Predictions. predictions. What? What, guys? I mean, there's so much to predict that I just hope that everyone in the Suns lives through next week. Wow, because you, you think someone is going to die? I feel like somebody has to I think, die. I think a nomad's going next oh, I, week. I'll happily take a nomad. Right? Happily. All right. Like, get them out of here. Yeah, well, we can't ask you to predict because you you know what's going on. I predict on. a lot of smiles, hugs, and kisses oh, on we the love upcoming that. shows. <laughs> Rainbows but, and butterflies. Rainbows, <laughs> butterflies. So, Marissa, as you take us out of here, I'm going to ask Mo, what, what else What else do you have going on? Your websites, Twitter feeds, what? Uh, tweet, tweet. Twitter, The Real Mo McCray. I'm on Facebook. Uh... I'm just in the streets riding my bike around. Mo McCray, what do you ride? Uh, right now I'm on a street bob, Harley Davidson. Oh, you're Harley too? Yeah, no Harley rice burner. Dino. Oh, I'm no, loving man. it. All American, keep it Harley Davidson. I love it. 
you know, Mo, it was it was such an incredible pleasure to have you here. And um, I, anytime you want to come back and watch with us, it'd just be a pleasure to where we have more time to actually like. I would have loved to have broken down this episode more thoroughly with you. No, the so pleasure please was come mine. Back, Thank come you back, come back, and Thank again, you. anytime you want, that door is always open. Yes. Um, and Chrisley, where do we find you? Twitter at Chrisley. At Chrisley, that's at Chrisley. it. At Chrisley. I, I like it short and simple. K- then I can R- talk more. Yeah, but wait, but how do you spell it? K R I S I L Y. I was going to double S you. I was definitely going to double S you. Super sweet. Okay, but that's why we have to say it that way because I always thought it's the double S too. And did you notice how she sung it? Like I just said the real moment, Craig, but she's like at Chrisley. Got it. It has to have a melody. Wow. Okay, so please, you guys, go to iTunes, rate and comment on. On us or go to YouTube and rate and comment. But and thank I, you for all the good yes. comments. We love your support and we love bringing you the show. Yeah, next week, baby. That's right. Thank From you, Marissa. Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.